Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff, and a very good morning from my side. And hey, from our side, can we just honor Jeff and the band for the incredible job that they do? Such a blessing to us. And all of our volunteers, all of our teams, I really do believe we've got some incredible dream teams here at City Hope Church. Our love for every one of you to be involved in it. And uh, thanks so much, guys, for that video and a little insight into the teams. Hey, do you know, it's just so awesome, there's space for everybody to serve here at City. Do you know that today, this morning, almost our entire production team is all female people this morning. How cool is that? And so upstairs over there, Lara, well, Lara's backstage, Taryn, Abby, and Gabby, and even Anne over here is on lights, almost an entire female production team. I just think that's cool. That's so awesome, eh? And thanks, girls and guys, and everybody for serving this house so well. We absolutely love you and value you for that. And uh, we're going to be speaking a bit more into that uh, in today's preach. But I'm so excited to be here. I woke up with a spring in my step this morning. Anybody else just wake up feeling a spring in their step? Give me a, give me a wave over there. Anybody. There we go. I like that. A lot at the back over there. How's it, guys? I think that's cool. God's doing something. It's just an incredible blessing to be part of what he's doing. I just thought, you know, what an honor it is that we get to come here this morning, that we get to be together as a church. And we know the two years we've been through where it hasn't always been possible. And so I don't want us to miss these moments of being excited, about being enthusiastic, about being full of faith, about being together as God's family. And so I'm excited to be here and a warm welcome online to everyone watching us online this morning and anyone who's here visiting with us this morning. Uh, we'd love to meet you. We'd love to give you a gift after the gathering. So come through, uh, say how's it to us, and we'll see you after the gathering and enjoy your time with us this morning. We love new people and visitors. I'm going to jump straight into my preach this morning. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been in a series called Why Church? And we've really just been going back to the basics to say, why do we do this? Ask some questions about church. And uh, through the two years of COVID, where it's been uh, all sorts of different variations of how we do things, uh, we thought, you know, let's get back to the basics and ask, what is this actually? Why, why do we do this? And so uh, in week number one, James kicked us off by really looking at who is the church? Who makes up the church? There's the global church. There's the local church, like our one. Uh, last week, Duncan took over and he preached into what do we actually believe as a church? What do we uh, hold on to as some of the essential beliefs of uh, the church. And today I'm really looking at, as we wrap up, the last question, and that is the question of how. How do we do church? How do we build uh, a local church? And I'm really excited uh, to jump into that this morning with you. You know, I've got such a personal burden for the local church. I believe with all of my heart that the local church is the hope for the world. Amen. I really do. More so than ever before, I believe that Jesus said he's going to build his church and so that his plan A for the salvation of this planet is the church. It's us. It's you and me. <laughs> and maybe you're looking at the person next to you and you're like, really? Is that it? Oh, yeah. The answer is yes. It's you and it's me. We're the church and we plan A for Jesus to bring about salvation to this planet. What an incredible privilege it is that we get to be a part of that. I love Matthew chapter 16, uh, where Jesus is talking about building his church. And he had asked Simon Peter, who do you say that I am? Uh, we pick up in verse 16, Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replies back to him and says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, 
but my Father who is in heaven. And then he goes on to say, I tell you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock, what? I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Just such a brilliant passage of Jesus saying, I am going to build my church. There is nothing on earth or in anywhere else that will stop me building my church. And we see him over there saying to Peter that you are the rock on which I'm going to build my church. And what's important for us to pick up and to notice over there is the power is not on Peter, but the power is on Peter's confession of Jesus' power. That's what he's saying he's going to build his church on. And so Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. So he's not saying I'm going to build an event. He's not going to say I'm going to build a building. He's not saying I'm going to build an organization. He's talking about a people gathering together to be an impact on society and to be an influence in society. So, so amazing. I think it's awesome to say and see that in the past two years, even as the church over certain periods of time has needed to leave the building, Jesus has never stopped building his church. Amen. Jesus has not stopped building his church. He says he will not stop and nothing will stop him moving his church forward. So we believe that being part of a church, being a partner, joining a local church is so important. So we've been speaking about it over the past couple of weeks. Uh, by the way, please catch up on any of the last week's messages that you may have missed on YouTube. It will be really useful for you uh, to watch that. James, James um, touched in week number one. <laughs> it's a tongue twister, huh? on uh, certain descriptors of the local church that we see in the Bible. And the one that I really love probably the most, I don't know, one of the ones I really love the most is how Jesus calls us his bride. I just think it's so special uh, because how much must Jesus love us to call us his bride? How much must Jesus believe in us to call us his bride? Now, I know the church is not perfect. The bride is not perfect. Uh, it, it never is. Even if it was ever perfect, there was that moment that you arrived <laughs> and it wasn't perfect no more. The church is made up of humans, amen? Come on, is that all right this morning? But Jesus says that we are his bride, and so he loves us so deeply and so passionately. I remember that um, 16 years ago, Taryn and I got married. If you go through to the marriage sign-ups over there, you'll see some photos of some of the staff on their wedding day. You'll laugh. Because some of them, I mean, Vaughan and Laura Lays is my favorite, because Vaughan looks like he's about 10 years old in that picture. <laughs> uh, it wasn't... Uh, I mean, Vaughan and Lorelei are awesome. We love them so much. They're on, on holiday at the moment. They'll be back, I think, next Sunday. Um, but go look. But we got married 16 years ago. And I remember that moment. I'm sure anyone who's married will remember that moment when uh, the groom, you're standing in the front there, and your bride comes walking down the aisle towards you. I remember that day, everybody was crying, and as Taryn walked towards me, I was doing the ugly cry, you know, the proper ugly cry, boo-hooing, and uh, it's such an amazing moment that gets etched in your memory, and I was thinking about it, imagine if Taryn was walking towards me that day down the aisle, and uh, somebody just started booing her from the pews. Can you imagine? That would, never, that would never be tolerated. You can't sit in a wedding and boo a bride on her wedding day. It would not be tolerated. But in many ways, when people say that they love Jesus, but they don't like the church, it's like booing the bride on her wedding day. Amen. You can't say you love Jesus and you don't like the church. You can't. You have to love the church, warts and all. 
Because Jesus said it's his plan A for salvation. Amen. Awesome. One of my favorite Psalms is in 92 verse 13. You can look on the screen. It says that they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. Another translation says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. And it goes on from there to say that they will be fruitful and they will be evergreen. How incredible is that? It's saying uh, that being planted in the house of God is, is, is where you find fruitfulness. It's where you, where, you, where you find flourishing. And being planted means you have to let your roots go down deep. Amen? If you plant it somewhere, it means that you've decided that you're going to let your roots go down deep. In other words, if ever a moment comes where you need to leave, it's going to be an uprooting and it's going to be difficult, it's going to be painful because how many of you know a tree planted by the river, the roots have gone down deep. It's not something easy to uproot. And so that's what it's saying over here, that those who are planted firmly in the courts of the Lord will flourish. Your flourishing and your fruitfulness is not only determined by where you decide to plant yourself, but how deep you allow your roots to go down. And I want to encourage us this morning to be the type of people who decide to let our roots go down deep. If you're someone who's joined this church, if you're someone who wants to join this church, I want to say make that decision that you're planting yourself here, you're letting your roots go down deep in this place. Because I think that joining a church in this day and age is a very countercultural thing to do. You know, we live in this very flighty, non-committal age. That's what we're living in at the moment. I think it's been pronounced even further through COVID uh, that we want to be keeping our options open. We're not naturally inclined to say our roots are going down. We're not naturally inclined to say, I'm going to make a long-standing commitment to something. You, you, you kind of want to keep your options open. You want to see what could happen, maybe. You want to protect your freedom of choice rather than being someone who says, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm putting my roots down over here. Through ups, through downs, I want to do life with these people that God has put around me, and I'm putting my roots down in this place. That's the type of people we need. Amen? We need people who want to stand up and say, I'm going against the grain, and I want to become part of the solution to this modern-day problem of non-commitment. It's almost like a rebellion, a people who want to be part of a, a rebellion against non-commitment and say, I'm pledging myself and my loyalty and my engagement to a Bible-believing, Jesus-following, Holy Spirit-empowered local church. Can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> that's what we are and that's what we want. But it's not how people are naturally inclined. It's a choice that we make to say, my roots are going down deep in this place. And so Jesus said, I am going to build my church. And this wasn't actually an incredible prophecy. Jesus was prophesying over here. And he was predicting us, you and me. And so uh, the incredible thing is that every time we gather together, every time that we worship together, every time we sit together and receive the word of God together, we are the present day fulfillment of Jesus' words 2,000 years ago. Isn't that great? Turn to somebody next to you and say, congratulations. <laughs> it's you. It's you are who Jesus prophesied. I know. The person next to you. You who Jesus prophesied. A people, his church. Jesus is still building his church. 
it's you, it's me, we are his church, and we get to build with him. I think that's one of the best things. You see, you see in so many ways, and we see it throughout the Bible, we're called to be co-laborers with Jesus in this. We're helping Jesus build his church. And so I think it can sometimes take a little shift in our own understanding and our own thinking of church is not something necessarily that you go to, but church is something that you're a part of and something that you're helping to build. I think that that is so, so awesome. Something that you are partnering with, which once again is why when you join us at this church, we don't call you a member, we call you a partner because you're making the choice to partner with us in the building of this local church with Jesus. Awesome. And so what I want to do this morning in the time that we've got left is I want to look at some ways, some practical ways that you can help build this church, that you can come alongside us, that you can come alongside Jesus as he builds his church and, and say, I want to be a part of building this church. Okay, so I've got seven ways of doing that. Don't look too shocked. Uh, I'm not going to take the rest of the day. They're quick points, okay? <laughs> I know normally we do three points. So th these are seven tips. Uh, so I'd encourage you to be taking notes as always. Uh, so either on your device or in a notebook. Uh, it really does help. Uh, get it in. It helps you go back to it and relook at it. And uh, we're going to move through them quite quickly. The first way that you can help us build this local church, number one, is to build through prayer. Build through prayer. I love it in First Timothy Chapter 2, 1 to 4, it says, First of all, then, first of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. I think it's so important that he says, first of all, first things first. He goes on in verse 2 to say that these prayers for kings and for all who are in high positions, that they may lead what? A peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Desires all people to be saved. And so I'm going to say to you, as you spend time praying every day in your own homes, in your own places uh, where you find yourself, as you just spend your time and your day-to-day -day lives praying, you know, it doesn't always have to be a big corporate together prayer time. It can just be in your own life. I want to say, won't you also pray for our church? Won't you pray for us? You know, we'd really, really value and be honored if you, if you would just pray for us in your time of prayer as well. Maybe even when you, when you come in here on a Sunday and you're on your way to church, why don't you take a moment to just pray for the Sunday that lies ahead? Pray for the gathering. Pray for those that are going to be with you at church that day. And I know what it can be like, especially the, those with families and kids that can be a little bit chaotic in the car over there. How many of you know the devil loves to use those moments when your husband and wife driving in the car together that, to, to break out in a, in a fight? <laughs> you know, the devil will use those times. Thankfully, Taryn and I normally drive together in separate cars, so it helps that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but why don't you take that moment in the car? Even with your kids, it's a great way of showing your kids, you know, this is what we do as a family. Let's pray for the church. Let's pray for the morning or the evening as we come into church. Uh, you know, that would be such, a, such an incredible way. Uh, I remember when we were once in Exodus many years ago in a series in Exodus. In chapter 16, we saw Joshua and the Israelites, they were battling Amalek. I don't know if you remember the story. And the battle was won that day, but it wasn't because of the skill of Joshua. But you remember that up on the mountain, 
was Moses and Aaron and her. And as those three prayer partners kept Moses' arms up in the air, it was that intercessory prayer and support that was actually the determining factor for the victory that day. And so I want you to know that I pray for you, I pray for this church, our leaders, our pastors, our staff, we pray for you, we pray for this church all the time. But I want you to know that something very special happens when you pray for your leaders. When, when you pray for your leaders, uh, some incredible steps forward start happening within the life of the church. I, I would love that. We'd be so honored if in your time of prayer you'd pray for this church, pray for its leaders. Do you know that statistically research has shown that over the past two years through COVID, the number of pastors who have resigned and left the ministry is higher than it's ever been before. Because it's hard. And for pastors, for church leaders, it's been an incredibly difficult time. And so I want to say that we value greatly and deeply you praying for us. And as we pray together, incredible things start happening in the church. Amen. So the application for us under this point is, first of all, pray on a daily basis for the church. Number two, men, why don't you come through to prayer meeting on men's day this Wednesday, I like that a lot, uh, six o'clock in the morning here at City Green this week. Why don't you come through, start your day in prayer. And then third of all, uh, look out for the details, but early on in the next term, we're going to put on a big city uh, prayer night where we can all come together and spend some time together in prayer as well. And so those are just three applications under that one. Amen. Cool. We're moving on. Number two, the second way that you can help us build here at City is to build through worship. And Jeff has done an incredible job of already speaking into that this morning. But here at City Hope, we say that worship is life. Life is worship. You know, worship is our life style. It happens uh, every moment of every day. But there is something that is really special. There's something that's very significant that happens when we corporately gather together like we are today. I think that through COVID, too many people, although they still love Jesus, have stopped gathering together like this, stopped gathering together with others. And there's just something special about it, because how many of you know that when you take a coal out of the fire, the coal ultimately dies? And a day like today is a fire lighting moment. When we come together like this, it's a, it's a, it ignites a fire within us. And when I, I'm standing here and I've got Alyssa next to me and she's singing in worship, it, it lights something in me to sing as well. And when I'm standing and I hear somebody praying behind me, it, it lights something to pray as well. And so these moments together are so, so important for us. You probably know Hebrews 10 very well in verse 24 and 25. It says, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but what? Encouraging one another. And then it says, all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more encouraging one another. And uh, you know, what, what other opportunity do you really have in your week? To be together in a room like this, 150 people around you, to be able to look around and say, who am I going to encourage today? Who am I going to spur on in their faith today? There's opportunity in a space like this all around you when we corporately are together to spur one another up, to light those fires, ignite those fires when we're in a place like this. In the Gospels, 
we read about Jesus and he had a regular rhythm, a routine of going to the synagogue and it says, as was his custom. It was something that he had built into his life. He had a weekly rhythm of going to the synagogue. And so he didn't say, well, I'm only going to go when Rabbi XYZ is preaching. Come on now. Uh, or he didn't say, I'm only going depending on what the weather is doing today. No. Or he didn't say, maybe I'll um, not go, but I'll catch it online later. <laughs> he didn't, they didn't have those luxuries in those days. And uh, he made it a weekly habit of being in the synagogue, of gathering together with the people of God. I think the interesting thing when we read about Jesus doing this is that Jesus needed nothing. Amen? It, it's not like he needed to go to synagogue to, to get anything out of it. He didn't need anyone to teach him about his own father. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, imagine what it must have been like to have Jesus sitting in the pews and you have to preach. <laughs> I think that would be a bit scary for any preacher. But he was there because he came with what? He came with the Jesus motive to be with my father to be with my father. And so he built that as a priority, as a custom, as a rhythm into his life, yeah. And so what's super important is being here, eh? So important to be here. I think the second thing in this point is it matters how you're here. Your, your presence in this place matters so much. Being involved in worship. You know, it's people that affect the atmosphere. It's you and me leaning in that affect the atmosphere. And I think I've learned something about the presence of God over the years and the presence of God of us. You know, if God is here, if God's presence in, is here, then our presence should reflect God's presence. Amen. Your presence matters. It reflects that God's presence is here. He's with us. He's amongst us. And what that means is that things actually have a whole lot less to do about what happens here on this stage and a whole lot more to do with what happens here from the floor. Amen. It's how every single one of us decides to lean in to worship when we're together on a Sunday. You affect you affect what happens in this room every single week. We actually read in the Gospels that there are moments and there are times where it says Jesus couldn't perform a miracle. I don't know if you know this. There are actually times where it says Jesus couldn't perform a miracle. And the reason wasn't Jesus. There wasn't a problem with Jesus being able to perform a miracle. It was because there was no faith. There was an unresponsiveness in the people. There was a resistance in the people. And so I think it's the difference between coming to church with a spectator mentality, that you want to come and spectate what's happening here, rather than coming with a worship mentality. I mean, I want to be a people that arrive here with a worship mentality, week in and week out, as is our custom. Everybody say custom. It's a cool word. Yeah. Don't be somebody who spends more time preparing your hair for church than you do preparing your heart for church. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you can do whatever you want with your hair. I don't really mind. But what I'm saying is spend intentionality and time preparing this heart of yours for church on a Sunday when you come here. Let's arrive in this place every week ready to worship Jesus. Because let's remember worship is not actually for us. It's for Jesus. And so why wouldn't you come with a prepared heart to do that every week? I want to say that your presence here today is helping to build this church. You being in this room this morning is helping to build this church. 
Your responsiveness in this place, your faith in this place is helping us build this church. And so never underestimate what your contribution makes in terms of building this local church. Amen. And so a few applications on this one is, first of all, be here every week. Just be here every week. I think this year of in-person has been better than it's ever been over the past two years in terms of uh, people coming back into that weekly rhythm of being here. And it's so important. It makes such a difference. And so I want to just say, let's do it. Let's be here every week. That's what we do. It's a, a weekly rhythm in our lives. Uh, the next one is be here early. It, 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 it goes hand in hand with preparing, being prepared, have your heart prepared. Uh, it means you're not rushing in at the last minute and you need to still figure out stuff and kids, just be here a bit early. Get yourself settled in. Get your heart ready uh, for worship. And then be prepared with your heart. Be full of faith. Be full of expectation for God to move when you come in this place. And the last one that I just threw in here is, hey, don't come alone. I would love to say, let's start thinking about who is it that we could be bringing with us. Why would we keep this to ourselves? I don't know. There are people in your life, there's relationships in your life, in the spaces and places that God has put you, that you can say, hey, I can invite this person. I can bring this person with me. Let's do that. Let's be bringers on Sundays. Amen. All right, we're moving on. Number three, the third way that you can help us, and I'm using the word build. Uh, I want to throw in the word cultivate with it as well, because that's the theme for our year, cultivate. So when I say, how do you help us build? How do you help us cultivate? Because this church, this property, these people are part of my responsibility, our leader's responsibility of cultivating, of taking seriously. And so uh, there, there are ways in which you can help us with that cultivation, with that building. Uh, the third one is to build through hospitality. And I really love this point. Uh, we've, we've got an incredible group of people who serve in our hospitality department. Uh, but I want to say every single one of us, regardless of whether we're on a team or a roster, needs to learn how to be a hospitable person in this house. Peter, who was part of building the first church, writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, 8-9, to he says this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> you had to throw that in there at the end, without grumbling. <laughs> Do it with a cheerful heart, you know. Um, and so the same way that you would offer hospitality in your own home, the same should be applied here at church. You know, reaching out, offering hospitality, especially reaching out and showing hospitality to people who are new and Every single week we have new people who come through these doors. How are you being hospitable uh, to new people that are walking through into uh, our church? You, you know, the size of the church doesn't determine the friendliness of the church. You can go to a small church where nobody greets you. You can go to a mega church where nobody greets you. It's not about the size of the church. Because, you see, the thing is, I think we can, it, it, it's easy for us to be friendly with the people that we come with. It can be easy to be friendly with our friends or whatever the case is. Uh, what I want to say is so important is let's start lifting up our eyes a little bit and seeing who can we show hospitality to who, who, who we don't know. And again, in a room like this, just look across. And this has happened to me for years. A, I'm, I'm pretty terrible with remembering names. I confess that. And I apologize if I've introduced myself to you many times over. I try my best. But I would say don't worry about it. Go over, speak to someone. If you're introducing yourself to someone and they're like, no, 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 we met last week or we met the week before. I think it's all right. Is that all right? Can we have grace for each other? Yeah, yeah. 
just do it. Show warmness, show hospitality. I would love for us to be known as a friendly church. When we do the land-in, incidentally, there's one tomorrow night. If you want to sign up last minute, you can jump onto It's where if you want to join our church, come to the land-in. We'd love to have you there tomorrow night. Um, but at the land-in, we ask the question, what do you love about city? One of the number one answers that we always get is that it's a friendly church. And so well done. And I, I really thank you for that. I would love to be a church where nobody ever has to walk away and say, well, nobody greeted me there that day. Uh, and, and it's going to take every single one of us to be very proactive uh, in, in every one of us being hospitable. Amen. The application is just look for opportunities on Sundays to show hospitality, warmth to people around you, especially new people. Amen. Number four, we're moving on. Is this good so far? Awesome. Number four, uh, we can build through serving. And uh, we've already seen a lot of this through our video this morning and through Jeff helping us so well. But Peter actually goes on in First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 10, the next verse. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Every single person here has a number of unique gifts Everyone here, every single one of you has a number of unique gifts that God has given you and it's up to you to discover what those gifts are, to develop those gifts and to deploy those gifts to serve others. That is what we do. And we see it in the New Testament that the church is so often referred to as a body. We spoke about that in the series, as a body. Many different members all working together to make the body function properly. And so using your gifts. You know, I, I thought about how I could use this as an analogy. And I thought of a rugby match. Now imagine the case where South Africa was playing the All Blacks, for example. And so the day arrived, uh, the match was due to start. And what South Africa did is they just sent in the coach to play for them. So the coach goes in by himself, the team sits back and watches. <laughs> Can you imagine? Now, the poor coach gets annihilated by the All Blacks, right? Because he's trying to do everything. He's running up, he's running down, he's all over the place. Halftime comes. The poor man has to be carried out on a stretcher because he's on death's door. That would be weird, right? So halftime comes. And then what the South African team decides to do is not send themselves in for the second half. They send in the assistant coach. And then it happens all over again and he gets carried off on a stretcher. Can you imagine how bizarre that would be? How that would never happen? But yet, in so many churches, it's just like that. Where the poor pastor is run ragged, having to do absolutely everything. And he's counseling people in his hospitals and he's this and he's running this and he's meeting that and the next thing. And he's run ragged that by half time he's also been carried out on a stretcher. It's no wonder that so many pastors burn out. It's no wonder that so many churches aren't doing well. But I want to say thank God for half time. Thank God for halftime. I think that maybe COVID has presented us with a spiritual halftime. And I believe that we are seeing the church starting to rise up again in the utilization of their gifts and their talents and their strengths and their abilities that God has given him, given them. And I believe that we can get everybody involved and turn the second half around for the glory of God. Amen. I believe it. I believe it. In Matthew chapter 9. Jesus said the famous words that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And funnily enough, not much has changed in 2,000 years. 
It's not like, you know, the, the harvest, the opportunities here in Joburg, the opportunities here at this church are great. It's not like we've already fulfilled the Great Commission, and Jesus now needs to give us a new Great Commission. It's not like the job's done, well done. You know, the opportunities are huge. The only limitation is the number of workers that we can get on the field using your gifts and getting everybody involved. I think one of the biggest dangers that we face in a church like this, you can come to a church like ours and you can sit there and you can sit back and you can say, wow, it's awesome. This church is doing great. Everything's working well. They would never need me. I want to say there's nothing more further from the truth. We do need you. There's not a single ministry department in the life of this church that's got a no vacancy sign over their door. Not one. Right across the spectrum from next gen to creative and production to hospitality, we need you and we need you to get involved. Not every single job is prominent, but every single job is significant in the life of this church. And so the application for that one is very easy. Serve. <laughs> find a way to serve. Find a way to get stuck in. Uh, and off the back of that video, you can go through to the coffee shop afterwards and you can sign up and find a department to jump into. And they would absolutely love to get you involved. If you're with us online, there are ways to serve as well. We'd love to get you involved. Let us know. Amen. We're moving along. The fifth way that you can help us build at City Hope Church is to build through unity. Everybody say unity. That's a good one to say together, right? Unity. <laughs> uh, now, just a little heads up. If you've been here at City Church, City Hope Church, and you haven't yet been offended by somebody, then you haven't been around long enough. Is that okay? Can I say that this morning? <laughs> you see, the thing is, it's kind of inevitable. As humans, you're going to get offended by somebody. Somebody's going to say something or somebody's going to do something. It's going to rub you the wrong way and you're going to get offended. Now, uh, I heard somebody once say that every church has a Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper. In other words, they just want to rub you the wrong way. The amazing thing is I, I believe that every single city group has a Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper represented in them as well. Uh, humans, we, uh, we've got grace for each other. Amen. Come on. You see, the truth of the matter is that you could leave your city group or you could leave city, but Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper have got cousins all over the place. <laughs> You're not going to escape it because it's human nature. And Jesus even said that it's inevitable that you will be offended, that offense will happen. Jesus is the one that said offense will happen. And the question isn't whether there'll be an offense or an argument or a conflict. The question is what will you do when that happens? How will you respond to that? You see, when it happens, we're faced with a choice. When offense happens, you're faced with a choice. You can either guard unity or you can sow division. And I just want to say this morning, let's be a church that always guards unity. I never want to be the type of church that sows division. I want to be one that guards unity all the time. Because a united City Hope Church has a great future. A divided City Hope Church will start to fall apart. And so it's up to us, every single one of us, to protect unity. And Jesus said that if your brother or sister offends you, go. Go means go. It doesn't say you must pray about it. It doesn't say you must whatever, think about it, or send somebody else in your, in your place to deal with it. It says go. Go to the person. Go means go. And you need to go dealing with 
not what you perceive to be the 90% of the problem of what has happened to you through this person, but go with dealing with the 10% that could possibly be something in your own heart. In other words, as you go, you go in with a soft heart. It's amazing that a soft answer can turn away wrath and peace can enter a situation. But high emotion, how many of you know this? High emotion leads to a lack of good judgment. And so we need to be put in value on being reconciled more than being right in these situations. Being reconciled over being right. The value has to be on the relationship, not the issue. That's how you go. These are tips on how to go. That the value is on the relationship, not the issue. A good way of thinking about it is you could picture yourself as a person around here at the city carrying two buckets. And in your one bucket, you've got a bucket of petrol. And in the other bucket, you've got a bucket of water. And what that means is you're either going to sow division or you're going to uh, sow unity. So if somebody comes up to you on a day and says, oh, and did you hear about X, Y, Z and what they did? You have the choice. You have the choice to be, oh, no, tell me more. In other words, you're pouring the bucket of petrol on that thing. You're blowing that thing up. You're sowing division. Or you can say, no, that doesn't sound right. Uh, maybe we should go together. Can we go together and talk about that person? That's, uh, that doesn't sound like him. In other words, you're throwing water on that situation. You're protecting unity. And I want to say, let's be a people that always protects unity in this house. Amen. The application when offense happens is to go with humility and with a soft heart. Amen. The next one, number six, we're almost there, is you can build through giving. Building through giving. Uh, we spoke about generosity a couple of weeks ago, and so this isn't a very long point. Uh, but Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 is an awesome proverb. It says that we should honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Honoring the Lord with your wealth and the first fruit of your produce. You know, it's a very big impact that can happen when everybody plays their part. When everybody financially gives with consistency, whatever that amount may be. I want to just remind you again this morning that small gifts matter to God. Big gifts matter to God. All gifts matter to God. It's not about the amount. It's about everybody consistently doing it together. Amen. You remember the story of the widow, and she just had her coin. It was all she had. She gave the coin, which wasn't much, but she had actually given more because she gave everything. She gave everything. But the, the thing is, Jesus didn't stop her. He didn't say, don't give. That's not important. It's a small gift. He, he let her give because he knew that small gifts also matter to God. Jesus knew that as she gave her all, his father would be watching over her. And the main point over here is that we give of our first fruit to God. We give of our, the first of our income to God. It's the first thing that we do. We set up our lives in such a way that the first thing that we do with what God gives us is we give back to Him. And that's the kingdom mindset uh, that we adopt in terms of our giving. You know, if every single person in our church, every single partner of ours gave of the first fruit consistently with whatever income that we have, we would have more than enough to fulfill all the vision and everything that God has given us for this church. More than enough. It happens when every single person plays their part. And we've said it consistently over the past two years, 
And I would love to just to mention it again right now that this has been a church that has demonstrated generosity that we can't even believe over the past two years. This has been a church and it's just, I think, one of the best stories that we can tell about how the last two years have gone is that people have continued to say, I continue to give through good, through bad. I give of my first fruit because that's what God says. And so I want to honor you for that once again this morning and say that it's through that consistent generosity, that consistent obedience, that we are able to fulfill everything that God has for us as a church. I think that when it comes to giving, the paradigm shift that we need to have is with our resources, is that everything belongs to God anyway. Amen? It's, it's all He's anyway. And, and, and I've said it before, but when we have this mindset, God will continue to give resources to you as long as He can get the resources through you. He will continue to let the resources come to you as long as he's able to get those resources to go through you. And as a, as a church, we believe this. As a church, we practice this with consistency, allowing the resource to go through us. And so every single month as a church, uh, the first 10% goes away uh, to our given. And so we're a church that's got a big vision. We walk in big faith for God to provide. And as we give every single month, as we let that resource go through us, God continues to provide for us every single month. One of the ways that we do this and one of the things that we do with our giving is our partnership, our social action arm at this church is with the CoLab Foundation so that every single month your giving makes a massive impact on hundreds of people's lives in the city. Just from your giving we're able to do this. And so I wanted to just remind you once again of some of the ways that your giving that we give away as a church is benefiting so many people in the city. Uh, this giving helps with new moms who give birth to babies who have absolutely nothing for their babies or for themselves. And through the Baby Box project that we partner with, we're able to bless those new moms and get them on their way. Uh, we're, we're, we're able to partner with organizations like the Impact Baby Rescue Center who rescues babies that have been abandoned in dustbins around the city and take them in and give them a future. Your giving does that every single month. Uh, we're able to partner with an organization who helps men and women who are trafficked and stuck in the sex industry. Your giving helps us with those people on a monthly basis. Your giving helps hundreds of the poorest of the poor just up the road from us in Kaya Sand over here through Impact Africa. Your giving helps with the mentorship on a monthly basis of boys who have no father figure and helps point them to Jesus. Your giving on a monthly basis helps give children access to quality preschool education in Hillbrow and Dipslut through Palile. And your giving every month helps us help people from within this own family who have hit financial trouble that we can help them out. On a monthly basis this happens. Isn't that awesome? That's a little bit. Yeah, let's give a round of applause. That's through CoLab. And honestly, that's a little bit of what we can do and the impact that we can make when we prioritize building this church through our giving. And so the application for that point is to build your consistency in your regular giving as we move forward in all that God can do. I believe there is so much more that he can do in and through us as a church. Amen. Are you still with me? I'm going to ask the band to join me on stage right now. We're moving into our last point, and the last way that you can help build, the last way you can help us cultivate here at this church is to build through reaching out. 
building through reaching out, okay? So you see, the vision of this church, if you've been around long enough, you will have heard it, is to help people what? Find, carry, and bring, that's good, the hope of Jesus Christ. And so it's not just about us and God, amen? It's not just a little bless me club, me and Jesus. It's, it's more than that. It's about reaching people. It's about every single one of us reaching uh, people in our lives. You know, coming to Jesus, getting saved, is a process for people. It's a journey for people. Uh, and it, you can think of it almost like a chain with many links in it. If you think of a person coming to know Jesus, it's like a chain with many links. Sometimes you're the first link in that chain who actually tells somebody about Jesus, and you've started that journey in their lives. Sometimes you are fortunate enough, and you're the last link in that chain, and you see that person take a step of salvation, how awesome that is. I'd say more often than not, we're somewhere in the middle. We're one of those middle links somewhere in the chain of a person's journey to Jesus. I want to say, just make sure you're not the missing link. Amen? Don't be the missing link. Make sure that you're part of the process. You see, it's not up to you or me to do the whole thing. It's not up to you or me to... We don't save anybody, amen? Jesus does. But we have a part to play. And each and every one of us has been strategically positioned by God to reach people that the next person cannot reach. That is our theme for the year. That's cultivate. That God has uniquely positioned you, strategically positioned you to be in spaces, to be in places, to have relationships that the person next to you doesn't have. So that the world might be reached by the good news of the salvation of Jesus. Can you just imagine what this church, City Hope Church, could look like? If every single one of us not only had the tools for this, but we started using the tools to do this in our lives every single day, I know that we will be a church that's hugely impacting this area. You know, this is the dream. When we moved onto this property, onto City Green, the dream was that we'd have an impact and an influence on this area that God puts us in. I can tell you that it's happening that the impact for Jesus is happening in this community, that every single week we are seeing people coming to this church from this area and God is moving in their lives. How awesome is that? When you start using the tools that God has put in your hand, you start seeing it happen. You start seeing a church that's hugely impactful in this area. We start seeing a church that's actually hugely impactful to the city of Joburg that he put us in. And we'll start being a church that is hugely impactful in this nation of South Africa. I believe that that is the church that Jesus is building here at City. Amen. Amen. And so the application with this one is just to cultivate. I want to remind you once again, prioritize cultivating in the spaces, places, and relationships that God has given you. Because we're going to see Him do some incredible things in the lives of the people around us. We're going to see Him move in mighty, mighty ways. I just have a sense that there's a fresh wave of God wanting to do some magnificent things in the city. And we've been through so much, but it's, it, 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 it's never stopped. Jesus has never stopped what he's doing. But there's a fresh wave of his move and his spirit that people's lives have been changed and impacted. People have gone through so much and they finally come into a realization that there's something greater than them, that there is light, amen, that there is hope. We get to be a part of that as together we commit to build in this local church. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me this morning. We're going to worship God together. Christ, our cornerstone.
I want to say that we love you and value you so much. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for uh, how amazing you are. We love this church. We love what God's doing in this church. And I'm so grateful that we get to build it together with you. Amen. Let's worship.